Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. Acts chapter 4, open your Bibles. I want to uh, finish up this chapter today. Um, <clears throat> and yesterday I was given a gift. Yesterday afternoon, uh, well I guess early afternoon, some about 12, a guy came to my house to buy a pool liner. Now, you don't sell pool liners every day from your uh, doorstep, but you see, it all started about 15, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago when I had the idea of putting in an above-ground swimming pool in my backyard. It was a great idea until I realized that you had to actually clean the pool every single day and put chemicals in it and this free pool to me wound up costing me an arm and a leg but my children loved it and I even would jump in and play with them every now and then but I noticed that they stopped swimming somewhere around October or November and then it wasn't used again until about March or April so I thought I'm paying for chemicals and cleaning and I'm doing all this stuff for five or six months I got an idea I'm just going to let it go green and then I'll just get it restored when the summertime comes. So that was my plan about five years ago is when this part happened. My memory is a little shady. I am scarred from this. Um, so so it, it, it got so green that when I would walk out in the backyard, I thought I, was in the, I thought I was lost in the swamp. I mean, frogs everywhere. And it was funny because somehow the frogs, even though they were in the pool, they knew when you got close to them. Did you, did you know that? You ever notice the frogs are going nuts? And I don't know what they're saying. It sounds like ribbit, but I know that's really not what they're saying. But they were making all the, just this explosion of frogs, and I would walk over to the pool, and they would, it's almost like they go, shh, he's here. And they would stop. And I'm like, how do you do that? It's dark out here. So then I'd turn and walk away, and as soon as I'd get a few feet away, they'd start up again. And I'm like, it's a trick. It's a trick. They're just trying to get in my head. And so I would, I would actually try like sneaking up to it. You know, I'd crawl up to Somehow or another, they could feel my presence and they would stop the chorus of frogs and then they would start it again. Well, it, it came time to fix the pool. And after dumping what had to have been 100 gallons of chlorine and it still was green, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll just drain it. Great idea. Bad idea. Not only did I have green stuff all throughout my yard, but I also had a pool now that had green stuff all along the sides. And like it was caked on there. No problem. I'll just let it dry, and then I'll go in and scrub it off. Y'all see the ludicrousy of my thinking here? It, there must have been something going on in my life where I just wasn't thinking clearly because the only problem with that is small, and that is that those liners without weight in them from water, they shrink so it shrunk up about two foot, and it was like this, this giant green liner that was obviously no longer able to be used. Said, no problem, I'll buy another liner. Of course, by this time, it was the end of the summer. We didn't get to swim in it, but I'll just prepare for the next year. So I bought a liner, and now four years later, after walking over to my garage, I figured, you know, I am not doing anything with that pool. So if anybody wants a pool with no liner, I got one for you. But the bottom line is, I put it on Marketplace, and this guy comes to buy a liner, right? And so 
he pulls up. I'm sitting on the front porch and I have the liner on the ground there. I'm just waiting for him. And he waits for a few moments and then he gets out of his car and he walks up to me and he's got two pieces of paper. And he hands them to me and as he does, he says, Oh, I see you may not need these, but I want to give them to you anyways. It's the story of how I came to know Jesus. And see, the reason he said that what he said is because I had a shirt that, that said something about Jesus on it. It was kind of a corny shirt. It said, let's taco about Jesus, and it has a taco on it. So I normally don't wear that out in public. I, do, you know, I don't mind like good Jesus shirts, but corny Jesus shirts, I try to keep those to myself within my own family, right? And, and we started talking, and for like 10 or 15 minutes, he was telling me his story about how he came to know Christ. He showed me his scars and everything, I and mean, it was really cool. And, and I told him, I said, you realize that this isn't about the liner, you are God's gift to me for my sermon illustration tomorrow. He goes, really? I go, yeah. You know the last time somebody shared the gospel with me? I can't remember when. When's the last time somebody shared the gospel with you? When's the last time somebody said to you, hey, do you know for sure if you'd die where you'd spend eternity? Hey, can I tell you about what God is doing in my life? Hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? When's the last time somebody said something to you about knowing Jesus Christ? Probably, for most of us, we can't remember the last time. Why? Because not a whole lot of people talk about Jesus. Now, we do memes, and those are cool, right? We, we post scripture verses. I love those. I absolutely you should always do those. Uh, Elaine, I don't want to embarrass you, but I love your scripture verses. I love them, I love them, I love them. Don't ever stop doing them. And they're always perfect. They're always just perfect. It's almost like all hours of the day, you're looking through the Bible, what verse is good for 2.42 a.m.? I mean, it's marvelous. Don't ever stop doing that. But at the same time... The scripture tells us, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? How can somebody preach to them unless they've been sent? There is this necessity about the gospel that the gospel is not just something that somebody finds. The gospel is something that is sent. And you, the Bible says, are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his own appeal through you. So as we look at the text today, what I want you to see, what I hope you'll see, is that there is this great responsibility, oh, but this great privilege that God has placed upon our shoulders to carry the message of the gospel. And before you say, well, I'm just not an evangelist, let me stop you right there. If you know Jesus, yes, you are. If you know Jesus, you are an evangelist, if by definition an evangelist is one who carries the good news. Because the very nature of a Christian is one who has been saved by grace so that he or she can give God's grace. And I don't want you to leave feeling bad. I want you to leave feeling encouraged and empowered and, emotiv and motivated to speak what you know and what you believe. In fact, I would argue this point. If you really have experienced the grace of God and it's fresh and alive in you, you can't help but to say what you've seen and heard. Let me prove it to you. I saw the hamburger you made because you posted a picture of it. I saw the, I saw the ride you were on because you did a selfie through the whole thing. Ah, even though the sign clearly says you'll be thrown out of the park if you do a selfie. Okay, that was me. Sorry. <laughs> I figured I'd take my chances. I want the whole world to experience this death-defying uh, uh, ride at Six Flags. I, I, I know the vacation you went on. I know about your 
your kid's losing his first tooth. I even know when he pottied for the first time. Right? We share everything except for that which is most important. Why? Well, again, I'm not getting on to you because uh, i got to look at me too, but why is it that everything is worth, everything is post-worthy except that Jesus rescued us from the miry pit? Why is that not most post-worthy? Maybe it's because we don't think that somebody else wants to hear it, but here's what I know. I know that God has people intersecting with your life and my life every single day who are desperate for just a little bit of hope. And so I told that man on my porch as he walked away, I said, well, I, I don't know if I said it to him or if I thought it, but here's what went through my head. I want to be like you. I want to jump out of the truck and I, I want to make sure that every conversation is pointing someone to Jesus. Um, it's kind of funny, actually, because we were talking and, and, I, and, and I, he, he pulled out his wallet and he put the $100 bill in his hand and, and we were just talking and talking and we carried the liner to his truck. We put it in the back and we were talking and talking. He got in and he's like, man, thanks. I'm so glad for the liner. And he's just about to shut the door and I go, hey, uh... I think you forgot to pay me. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, imagine if you were so into the conversation that you forget other important stuff. Open up your Bibles if you have it. Acts chapter 4. Are you with me today? All right, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. By the way, when we worship, we sometimes get a little excited, but the reason for that is because we have a, a, a God worth being excited about. Now again, I, I don't want to wanna, to compare things, but, but just for... for for the, for the sake of, of, of kind of knowing that this is not strange. If you go to a ball, ball game, you're going to yell and scream, right? I mean, if you're sitting on your couch and LSU happens to be running a football, or Bama happens to be running a football, or even Auburn, especially if Auburn's running a football, especially, you, 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 man, you get all excited, you throw stuff, you spill stuff on your couch, and you don't care because, hey, this is great, Right? And then somehow we come to church and we're like, oh, we better be quiet. We better be still. We want to be dignified. No, look, look if, you're going to be, if you want to play the dignified card, be dignified at home. Right? Come on. Be dignified at home if you want to be dignified. The truth is, there's nothing worth celebrating more than the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem, knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we've got to warn these men not to speak any longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight for us in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen 
and heard. After further threats, they let them go, but they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed for over 40 years, or was over 40 years old. So when they saw the courage of Peter, who is they? When they, they is the Sanhedrin, this is the religious elite. These are the ones who called Peter and John into their council. Um... Because, because Peter and John spoke to a man who was lame from birth and was healed. So they were upset. They were, they were, they were concerned that this, these two men were causing a ruckus. And they were astonished because of two things. One, they were astonished because of the healing, but two, they were astonished at the messengers. Because Peter and John had great courage. Church, if there's ever a time for us to have great courage, it is now. If there's ever been a time that we can have great courage, it's now. What is courage? Courage is the ability to do hard things. Courage is the ability to to go against the flow, to stand up when everybody's sitting down, to rise up when it's easier to shrink back and to to, to just stay in the background. Courage is the ability to speak truth when everybody else wants to speak lies. Courage is the confidence in the name of Jesus, even today. You know, it's funny, I was listening to the songs we were singing, and I was thinking to myself, man, this reminds me of 25 years ago, old school church over at Corydale Baptist Church. When I, like when I was a teenager. I mean, we were, use, we were using words like saved, right? Nobody uses those words anymore. I mean, we're no longer saved, except that the Bible does. And I get what we've done. We've tried to change our wording a little bit to where people understand a little bit better. But at the end of the day, let me tell you what's not changed. The gospel. It's funny because pastors all over the world now are trying to, 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 to reconfigure how to pastor. Well, guess what? It hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. The world's changed, but when it comes to our purpose and our mission, that has not changed. In fact, I always thought it was crazy that a church would, have, would, would try to come up with a mission statement. Follow me here. Why would the church try to come up with a mission statement? Didn't we already get one? I mean, wasn't that already done for us? Isn't that, that kind of a plug-and-play deal? I mean, isn't the mission of the church to glorify God and, and, and to, to tell other people about Him? I mean, is, isn't that as difficult and as fancy as it really needs to be? Y'all with me here? The church has a purpose, and the purpose was given back in Acts chapter 2. Jesus clearly said, You are to me my disciples, and you are to make disciples in all places and with all peoples to all nations. You will teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Oh, and by the way, I will always be with you. Right? So the church nature or the purpose that that we have hasn't changed. And so we can have great courage even today in the midst of a crazy, wild world. You know, over the last several weeks, I have been saying pretty much the same thing because it's pretty much the same thing the book of Acts is talking about. I believe God uh, has led me to preach through the book of Acts in this particular time because I think we're in kind of the book of Acts. We're in the book of Acts kind of times. In the book of Acts, the world was shaken. There were there were there were there was a, a political strife. There were there were powers and there were things going on and and. And God, 
was in the midst of it. And he sent his people to bring hope and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit even in the midst of that. I say this just about every week, I think, but it's true. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Did I miss one? It, is that patience? Long-suffering? But we need long-suffering too, especially now. Here's the deal. Are any of those things things that we need right now? Does the world need peace? Does the world need patience? They do right now. Did you catch that? Does, does the world need kindness? Peace, patience, kindness. Does the world need faithfulness? Does the world need goodness? Does the world need joy? Uh, yes, all the things that the world needs are found in the gospel. Because the gospel is when I realize that it's not my way, but it's God's way. And because I get unto God's timetable, when I yield myself to Jesus, He fills me with His Spirit. In other words, He makes me like Him. And so I become the agent of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And it's infectious. That is why we can and should have great courage just like Peter and John. And here's the best part about this verse. They saw the courage and they were astonished because they were unschooled ordinary men. In this room, we perhaps have a few ordinary people. That's not a slam. That's something to celebrate. Because God does His best work through people who are ordinary and sometimes unschooled. I actually think that the reason God does that is because He doesn't share His glory very well. Sometimes the, the, the exceptional like to take on a little bit of the praise. And God says, no, I'm not going to share my glory. But He took ordinary, unschooled men and He changed them from the inside out. And the reason that they were astonished reason that the Sanhedrin was astonished at what was coming out of their mouths and at what was coming out of their, their lives, there was great power within them, was very, very much because they took note that they had been with Jesus. If you want to live a life that is complete... If you want to live a life that is not completely chaotic, if you want to be a person who has peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, the one thing you must do is be with Jesus. It's that simple. And let me tell you how I know that that is the one thing that we need to do. Actually, it's not the only way, but it's... Let me tell you kind of a proof texting, okay? You try to be with Jesus and see how hard it is. You ever try, have you tried to be with Jesus lately? Have you tried to get some quiet time? Have you tried to get away from the noise? Have you tried to sit down and read the Word? Have you tried to pray lately? Does anybody but me feel like an avalanche happens inside of your brain when you start to pray? Anybody? Am I the only one? When you sit down to read the Word, is that not the time when things catch on fire and, and children destroy houses and all those kinds of things? 
If you've got little ones and you want to see a fight with your kids, just start reading the Bible. Uh, if you're tired, if you've got insomnia, just read the Bible. Works every time. Am I right? How is it that we can stay up till 2 in the morning watching Netflix or reading a novel or reading the news or, or reading Facebook and the moment we hit the Scripture, oh, I'm tired. Amen? Is it true? Why? Because the Word of God is powerful. The Scripture tells us that the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to divide soul and marrow. It's able to get to the places that we don't even know exist. And when we are with Jesus, Jesus confronts us. It's like looking in the mirror and Jesus is there behind us going, You see that? You see that? You see that? Let me make you clean. Let me change you. Let me transform you. And it seems like when that happens, we're like, no, no, God, I got this. Or we close the door and go, nope, you can't be in here. But when you are with Jesus, it is a... It, it, it's like eating those chips in a tube. I'm just going to have one. Right? Okay, I'm just going to have two. And before you know, the whole can of Pringles is gone. Right? When it comes to Jesus, when you begin to, and, and forgive the terminology, it's the best I know, when you begin to feast on His Word, when you begin to, to really get one-on-one get -on -one with Him, you think to yourself, man, this is good. I, I find peace, I find hope, all those things. There's a reason it's so hard to be with Jesus. And I know that what you might say, by the way, it's time for a cookie break. Okay, I won't do that to you. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of temptations, there are one, two, two, three, there are six cookies in this thing. So now I have to share. No, I don't. I'll be... I'll confess my sin afterwards and we'll be good. I'm just kidding. That's not true. When we strive... The harder we strive to be with Jesus, the more resistance we get to it. But the more we're with Jesus, the more hungry we become for Jesus. They saw that these men had been with Jesus and that was the only answer they had for the fact that they were unschooled and ordinary and yet this man was lame and now he walks. Verse 14, But since they could, could see the man who had been standing, or who had been healed, standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. In this verse, I want you to recognize the power of a testimony. The power of a changed life. And I struggle with this particular point because it is, it, it, is, it is sometimes brought to an extreme. And what I mean is, we're either 
just all we- strangers wandering through this world, constantly failing, constantly sinning, and you know it's terrible, but God has just rescued me, or it's uh, I'm clean, I'm walking with Jesus, everything's good. And, and we tend to vacillate back and forth. Does that make sense? We, we, we tend to think that we're, we're either in one part or the other. We don't want to ever give license to live an unrighteous life. The Bible doesn't give us that option, right? But we also recognize that we're flesh and blood and we're human and we're going to wrestle and perfection is not going to happen until we're in the presence of Jesus one day for eternity. And so we go back and forth, and what we have to recognize, though, is these men, even though they weren't perfect, they were walking in holiness in their life. Does that make sense? And so, the, 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 because they were walking in holiness, they were, they were an example of what God can and does do in a person's life. Let me say it a little bit differently. As the people of God, we should have we should have some things together. We shouldn't be struggling with the same things that the rest of the world is struggling with. Let me hear. See where I'm, see where I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one because we do. If we if you're married, you're going to deal with marriage, right? Right? I mean, if you're married, you're going to have to deal with how to stay married. You're going to have to deal with how to be kind to your spouse. You're going to have to deal with all of those things. But as the people of God, we should have marriages that are strong. We should have marriages that, that are able to demonstrate what it means to have a marriage that is built on the truth of the gospel. And this is hard because... As human beings, we still have to be married to a human, right? Now, if we could just not have to marry a human, it'd probably be a little easier, but the fact that they're human and we're human kind of makes it tough. And so, how can we preach the gospel and say, Jesus delivers, Jesus heals, Jesus, uh, Jesus changes things, but... But our life is a mess. There I am. Oh, here I am. So let me so let me back up a little bit. They saw the miracle in the man's life, and they said, We cannot deny that something of God has happened here. And because God had done something. It was causing them to evaluate their own relationship with God. I think that's fair to say. So for us, if our life is a mess, yet we're preaching the gospel, where is the evidence that the gospel actually is the powerful gospel that we preach if it's not working in our own life? Does that make sense? But, here's the cool part. And here's why I'm tiptoeing through this. Because I don't want to say something wrong. Because I want to be clear on here. Nobody is over here in complete wholeness without God dealing with the mess. Right? 
and we don't we, we shouldn't wait till everything is perfect to preach the gospel because if we did that it would take for some of us a long long time before we said it right here's the deal in the midst of our mess we allow God to transform us and through that transformation, we're proclaiming the reason I'm not the same today as I was yesterday is because Jesus made the difference. And the reason I'm not the same today as I was a week ago is because Jesus made the difference. And through a progression of time, however long that might be, because some of us have got more baggage in our trunk than others, right? I mean, for some of us, it might take this long. Some of us, it might be a little... I mean, if you're, if you're 12, you don't have a whole lot of baggage, most likely, right? If you're 42, 52, you got a whole... You don't just have a trunk of baggage. You probably have a, a, a garage full of baggage, and you have a, sh a, a, a shed in the back full of baggage, right? I mean, let's just be honest. The longer you live without Jesus, the more baggage you get, right? So here's, here's what I'm trying to say. They saw the transformation... When they see transformation in us, it gives, it, it gives legs to the gospel. But there should be transformation so that people see and go, oh, I see a difference. Does that make sense? I feel like it was all tangled, but I, I, think, I think you hear what I'm saying. One of the beautiful things about this story is that they knew the man when he could not walk and they knew the man after he could walk. Because they saw him every day begging at the temple gates. And the change in the man was what caused them to say, hmm, something of God happened here. My prayer for you and for me is that we would never be content just to get by. That we would always pursue wholeness in our life through the gospel. That we would be honest enough when, when we haven't quite gotten some things right to say, look... But by the grace of God, so am I. That we would not live in shame and guilt over where we are, but that we would look forward, that we would look towards the hope of the gospel setting us free. And I'll be real honest with you, I don't understand it, but sometimes we struggle with things for our entire life that we can't ever seem to shake. And some people say, oh, if you'll just pray, God will fix that. Let me tell you, that doesn't work. I'm not saying prayer doesn't work, but I'm saying sometimes there are things in our life that just praying every day doesn't fix. Y'all hear me? It is, some of these things are, are deep-rooted, and some of these things are, are, are just, I, I don't understand it. But even in that, I think the grace of God is made so beautiful. I think that's why Paul spoke of having a thorn in his flesh. I don't know what that thorn was. Some people have different thoughts and ideas of it. All I know is that there was something in his life that he tried to shake. He prayed and prayed and prayed. He couldn't get rid of it. And God said, look, in your weakness, I will be made strong. In your, in your brokenness, I will be, made, I will be dis declared as whole. So, I hope you heard that. And I hope that came out right. I hope you took that not as a condemnation, but as an encouragement to look towards, always have the goal of being like Jesus. Don't wait to speak about Him until you get there, but as you're speaking about Him, recognize that people are listening to your words and they're watching your life. One of the things that I find funny is how, how sometimes people can talk about Jesus 
in the midst of something where it's obviously not of Jesus and you go, do you even see what's going on here? Right? That We just got to be aware of that. So they ordered these two to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They talked about it to each other. Verse 16, what are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've been, uh, that they've done an outstanding miracle. We can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, we must warn these men not to speak any longer to anyone in the name of Jesus. That is the sticking point, folks. You can talk about faith. You can talk about religion. You can talk about goodness. You can talk about kindness. You can talk about God. Just don't talk about Jesus. Because the moment you talk about Jesus, you are talking about the name above every other name that is offensive to all in this world who don't surrender to Him. You ever notice that? You can pray, just don't pray in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus is the powerful, precious name above every other name. Um, if you, if you want to know how to live in today's culture like these guys were living then... And again, I won't go back to the whole story, but I'll just I'll kind of summarize it. The way we can put feet to this and live this way is, number one, we can have courage. And courage comes from truly believing what we say we believe. I'm not sure Peter and John had the courage until after they saw the resurrected Christ and until after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Up until that point, it was just stories. They had this great courage because they fully believed what they said they believed. Do you fully believe what you say you believe? Do you really believe Jesus is the only way to the Father? Just like Jesus said. He said, I am the way. I am the door. I am the truth. I am the life. Do you believe that? I believe that once you have that courage, well, to, to live this way, that courage brings forth an eye, eyes that are looking for opportunities, not necessarily feeling like you have to create opportunities. Creating opportunities is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't have to really create them because God is going to make them happen. As you go, make disciples of all nations. As you go. We intentionally go some places. I go places during the week with the express purpose of being a gospel witness in those places. Like I'll say, you know what, I'm going to go over here today because I want to I share the gospel somewhere over there. It's okay. But really in your everyday life, as you go, just have eyes that are open to meet the opportunity that God is already placing in front of you. One of the best ways to have an opportunity to share the gospel is through kindness. I'm going to leave you with this. Kindness is in short supply in a lot of places. An act, one act of kindness gives you the platform to speak of the truth of the gospel. So look for ways to be kind. You can help somebody across the street. You can buy a soda. You can... You can um, uh, uh, you can just just say an encouraging word. You can notice someone having a difficult time and offer to help. But acts of kindness that you give open up the door for you to be able to speak of what you've experienced through the gospel. I remember one time I was I was uh, in college and I had a little old boat 
Uh, well, if I told you about this boat, you'd laugh. It had duct tape as its primary bonding agent. No joke. You'd be surprised at how strong duct tape. It's called 100 mile an hour tape, and it even works in the water. I had holes in the hole that I patched with duct tape. I skied behind that thing for a couple years like that. Never did sink. Um, it did catch on fire, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Well, one time I was coming back to the launch. I was about 200 yards from the launch, and as I was motoring, motoring down, my, my motor quit. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And I couldn't get it to start. I was like, no problem. I'm in the middle of the day. It's a Saturday. People are going to be coming and going. I'll just wave somebody down. So as I was trying to wave somebody down, they just kept going around me. I mean, I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of bad. Maybe, maybe they don't realize I'm in distress. Maybe they just think I'm doing the southern wave. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Right? So, so I figured I would kind of make it obvious. I took my paddle, and I started paddling. They still wouldn't stop. Boat after boat after boat would just go, like, they would, they'd be coming straight towards me because I was, like, in line with the dock. They would do a wide swing around me. I'm like, well, maybe that's not obvious enough that I need help. I'll paddle more more, of a more distressed nature. I took my ski out, and I started paddling with my ski. Surely, people will see me paddling with a water ski and stop. They kept going around me. I got really desperate. I took the rope off the bow. I jumped in the water, put it in my teeth, and I started swimming. I'm not lying. I am not lying. Still nobody stopped. I paddled and drug and... and, 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 and uh, inched my way to the dock for almost 200 yards and I was madder than a hornet. I was so, so angry. Here's why. I thought, how hard would it have been just to stop and help me? What's the problem with people? You ever say that? What's wrong with people? Do you know if somebody would have stopped and said, hey, you got a problem? No, I just, I just like paddling with a ski. I wouldn't have been smart. I like yeah, yeah, my motor's not working. Hey, you throw me a line, I'll pull you in. Oh, that'd be great. When I got to the dock, you know what I'd be doing? Hey, thank you so much, man. Nobody else would stop. Man, I was desperate. I needed help. You know what I just did? I just opened a huge door for that person to say, you know what, there was a time in my life when I really needed help, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Truth be told, I had no reason to live. I had no purpose to even go on for another day. But somebody told me about Jesus, and I surrendered my life to him. And look, things didn't just get better all of a sudden, but I, I, did, I did find hope. I stopped today to help you because I wanted to tell you, because I believe God wants you to know that he loves you, and he, he wants you to know him. Have you ever trusted Jesus with your life? How hard is that? You just opened up a door for the gospel. And all you did was be nice. That's all you did. I want to ask you to consider what you're living for. What you talk about. Who you love. And I want to ask you to consider... Waking up tomorrow morning with this one thought. Jesus, today I'm yours. And I want to be a mouthpiece for you. Here's the good part. You don't have to worry about getting it all right. You just got to be willing to let God speak through you. You don't have to be polished. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to be willing. 
Look for every opportunity you can to talk about Jesus. We were traveling a couple weeks ago to Georgia for a few days at the lake. And what I discovered that the coronavirus has done is it has caused Walmarts to shut down at 8.30 in the evening, which is a problem when you are pulling a boat on a trailer and you have bearings that go out. Because nobody's open at 8.30 in the evening with, with, with bearings except Walmart, and that didn't work. We happened to actually be right next to one. They were closed. So picture this. We were 30 minutes away from where we needed to go. We had a boat on a trailer in the middle of Albany, Georgia, 8.30 at night. Actually, it was later. I think it's more like 9.30 at night. We weren't going anywhere. We pulled into a gas station to use the restroom just because we knew it was going to be a few more minutes. Thankfully, I decided to go feel the hubs, and one of them was not only hot, it was scorching, and the, the bearings were gone. And I said, well, what are we going to do? No options. Joshua said, Dad, there's a guy over here. Maybe he has some bearings. Son, that's kind of a long shot, but okay. Excuse me, sir. Happen to have any bearings? You know, I just might. <laughs> he went, opened up his bag. He started going through his truck. He actually found one bearing that I needed. He didn't have the second one, but he found one of them. But what he did have was all the tools that I needed to fix it enough for us to get where we wanted to go. And in the process of doing this, see, this was the reverse kindness. Now I'm trying to think, how do I tell this man about Jesus when he was the one being kind to me? So here's all I could think of. You know what? I believe God sent you to us tonight. We prayed and asked Jesus to help us, and he sent you. You're a gift from him to us. Didn't get much farther than that. His name is Uncle... Buck, maybe? Uncle Ted, Uncle Tom. I got his phone number. <laughs> Uncle Pete. That might be it. But here's the thing. When somebody's being kind to you, you can also talk about Jesus. We got to end this because it's time to go and I got to eat cookies to eat. <laughs> but church, listen. You've been given the greatest gift ever. You have Jesus. Jesus saves. If he's made a difference in your life, how can you be silent? Talk about him. Just open your mouth. And let's see what God would do. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, my prayer today is that you would, you would help us to, to fall in love with you all over again. Lord, not from an emotional perspective, but to recognize what you've done in us. And God, to recognize that we are your ambassadors. Father, may our lives be different. May people, when they see us, know that we have something that is hopeful. God, may we be filled with peace. And Father, I pray for those in this room who are wrestling with things like depression or addiction or things like 
seeking approval, wrestling with relationships, Lord, for marriages that are, that are on the very edge of being able to make it even. You are a miracle-working God. Father, to the best we can, may we place our hope entirely upon You. And Father, wherever we need to be obedient, I ask that we would do that. And Father, just as You made a man who was lame from birth be able to walk for the first time ever, God, so we're asking You to do these things in our lives. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Help us. Because we want to be the ones who speak the truth of who you are. If you're in this place and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that right now. If you're watching online and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, do that now. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm, I'm lost without you. Jesus, I repent. I turn from my sin and I trust in you. I ask you to save me. I ask you to make me a new person and I surrender my life. From this day forward, I'm yours. If you prayed and you asked Jesus into your life and it was real, I'm going to ask you to make that known. You can either come to the front and tell me or you can... You can tell the world through social... Do whatever you want to do, but just make it known. Don't be secret about it. If God's spoken to you about something else, you respond as He calls you. Will you stand? Let's sing.